0: Okay, I have a green light. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Journey Church. Hey, uh, before I get going on my message, you can put the first slide up if you want to, Heather. We're gonna start in the book of Proverbs, chapter 22. But I just <clears throat> I wanted to say something to Asher. Where are you? Raise your hand. He did, surely he didn't leave the room, did he? I'm scanning, scanning, scanning. Maybe he did, maybe he went to wash his hands. He went to teen's class. Well, hey, then I won't say this to him, but I'll say this about him. Wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that amazing? i mean, I to tell you what they say. It is, it is said by they, whoever they are. That one of the greatest fears on the planet is to public speak. What a poised young man. You guys should be very tickled. Whoever his parents are. And we would say at West Point, when you did a good job, fall out and make sandwiches. Anyway, um, which probably doesn't mean anything to you, but it meant something does okay so anyway um, my name is Keith Kerber, and i've been i've had the privilege of speaking here before I... oh I'm sorry, the kids are excused please go yes by the way that's that's totally on me Pastor Derek sent me a text he said, please excuse the kids first and sorry, strike one I was thinking about Asher. that's my that's my excuse anyway um anyway uh I love your pastor. That may be why I'm getting to talk to you today. Uh, I love pastors. I was one for almost 20 years of my life. And so I appreciate pastors. I appreciate churches. I spent 30 years in the army. My kids, if they were here, would roll their eyes when I say this, but there was a couple times in our life when we were driving and we passed a military base and maybe I had never been there before. I didn't, you know, it wasn't my, they weren't my guys. They weren't infantry or special forces base, but I say, we should stop here and check this. I bet they got a museum. My kids are like, oh, <laughs> we had to go to a stupid army museum again. Yes, you do. But I kind of feel that way about churches too. And there's a reason for that is because um, while I'm well aware of the fact that we live in a nation and I'm so glad, I'm so grateful that the Lord saw fit to allow me to be born in the United States of America. There's lots of countries in the world there aren't any like ours, um, I'm really glad I'm, I have another country of which I have citizenship for. Some years ago, I, I did a message and I brought both my passports. My official red passport isn't any good. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's timed out, right? Just like a blue passport, if you want to keep it useful, you have to renew it, right? Um, but I said to people, the blue passport makes me an American, but the red one, okay, that's actually, that got me into places or got me protection when I was operating as a, you know, servant of the United States of America. But for me, that red passport's my heavenly passport. And I think it's so unique that it's red, right? Because why? It's because it was blood purchased. So if you haven't heard me say this before here from your pulpit, I'm going to say it now is this. There's apparently, in the medical field, there is a, a phrase that I, goes something like this, first, do no harm, right? So when I come to another church, I really do not want to do anything that's going to cause harm, okay? But I did come here on an assignment. I do believe I have a, a task to perform today. So this is where I want to go over and I want to mention something that Dave said. First of all, again, great job, Asher. Please, if your parents tell them I said that, that was very impressive, Okay. Um, But what Dave said is also very impressive, and it's interesting because it all ties into communion, right? So Dave was sharing about uh, how we're not just singing because, you know, we come to church, we sing, we have an offering or a communion thing, and then we have a message, then we go home. High five, okay? But, you know, my wife leaned over to me at that last song, and she said, this is almost like the Mary song, right? Mary and Martha, Okay? You know, Mary, she's just clinging to, hanging on every word that Jesus said. And Martha, we, we sort of uh, scold or excoriate Martha because she was busy working. But you know what's fascinating? You need them both. You need to have Mary time. You need to have Martha time. You know, uh, my uh, where I went to Bible school, they said ministry is spelled W-O-R-K. I was raised in a family where that was not a four-letter word, you know, <laughs> even though I mean, it is a four-letter word, but it was, it's not considered a bad word, right? And so the thing is, is that why am I saying that? I'm saying that because this is merry time. Church is Mary time out there. It's Martha time. We're working. The Bible says we must work while it's today for the night comes when no man can work. So working is part of the Christian existence. It's not, we don't work to get God's favor, to get God's blessing. We work because God has already done that in us. He has, oh my goodness. Okay. I'll ask this question. How many people in this room, raise your hand, have seen this series called The Chosen? Anybody? Okay, so I think Pastor Derek said in his small group, they're watching it for like a devotional thing. Oh man, that thing came out like last year in March or April and I didn't see it until December, Nolan and I, just discovered it. We discovered, hey, we have a a smart TV and we weren't as smart as our TV. And we discovered we had YouTube on it and we went like, oh, there it is. We can watch this on TV. It's so cool. you know. And and, uh, we watched it literally in the week before Christmas. We did binge watch Jesus. It was amazing. I'm hoping they do a hundred seasons. I will help them every season they have because I just enjoy it so much. But one of the things about that Series, it's fascinating because I've lived long enough. I've seen Charlton Heston as Moses. I've seen Tab Hunter as Jesus. I've seen Jim Caviezel as Jesus. And I really can't say I've seen a bad portrayal of Jesus. And there's probably been some, but if that's a movie they made, I didn't want to watch it, right? I'm not looking to see Jesus mocked. I'm looking to see Jesus as as accurately as he could be, right? Um, But man... The thing that's fascinating about this one is, even though Jesus is clearly the star of the chosen, right? And he's he's the star of our church. He's the champion of our church. I think, Dave and Floyd, I can remember you singing a song where Jesus, it's about Jesus the champion. I love that song, because he is, right? He's our hero, he's our knight, he's our king, he's our, I mean, when you read the book of Revelation, he's, I mean, he's a pipe hitter. Jesus is amazing, okay? Uh, But he's also so amazingly compassionate, right? And the, there's a couple of vignettes in the series where it shows the apostles meeting Jesus for the first time, and man, it they're they're all wrecked but helped at the simultaneously. It's just amazing, right? I mean, it's like when you touch Jesus, you know, when the supernatural touch the natural, something's going to give and just going to help y'all here. It's going to be the natural. <laughs> the natural's always going to buckle in the face of the supernatural and. Aren't we so glad that Jesus has that amazing ability to touch us at our point of greatest need? Amen? So that kind of leads us into our message right now, right? And, and the fact that David was saying what he was saying, we're all in communion now, and this is the part where I'm going to ask for your help and then I'm going to pray. The person bringing the message doesn't carry the entire weight of the message okay? He is helped by the people listening to the message saying, Lord, I don't know. This doesn't sound like anything that's going to touch me today, but you know the Holy Spirit can take the Word of God and make it very personal for you if you're believing for that. Amen? So just as David, I believe there's a setting of the table, but when I say that even it makes it sound like I'm diminishing the worship. No. We need that. We need to come in from the hustle and bustle, the work, and we need to remind ourselves. Whoa, we're Christians. (laughs) I'm a Christian. I'm in church, and I came here for something, and I'm believing I'm going to get it. Can we do that? Thank you, Dave and Flory. It's oh man, very sentimental. (laughs) Seeing you guys still, still working for Jesus, right? But still staying with Jesus too. So let's pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your Holy, precious written word, thank you for the communion of the saints, the fellowship that is in the church, that even communion, when we take it, it reminds us, Jesus said that when we should take it, we should remember him. And we're not going to stop remembering Jesus today in the message. And we believe I believe, Lord, that the people of God who need something today, that you'll make me say something that it, that I wasn't even anticipating saying, but it would be used to help them and build them up and strengthen the church, the Great Church in Fairbanks that is known as Journey Church. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus name. Thank you, Lord. So, I don't know if you've turned to Proverbs 22:28, but you can see it in front of you. This is actually from the King James Version. Let me, before I actually read it, I want to tell you a little story. So in my Bible, if you go to that chapter, that page where Proverbs 22 is on, I'm on 22. So here, Proverbs 22, 23, 24. I mean, I know the small, the word is small. The, but it, it literally, Proverbs 22, 28 says, this is the New King James Version. Do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set, You just go inches away. Proverbs 23.10, it says, do not remove the ancient landmarks, nor enter the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is mighty. He will plead their cause against you. So I didn't realize this, but there's like multiple times in the word of God where God says, don't move ancient landmarks. He says, don't do that. How many people in here are homeowners? Anybody? Raise your hand. Okay, so do you know if you're a homeowner, you have boundaries, right? You don't really think about them. I mean, okay, I'm not going to say that to you. I didn't. I don't really think about my boundaries until I need to sell my house. And then someone would say something like, oh, you have a thing over here on your boundary. This messes up. It's making it makes so it hard. I have a brother-in-law who was trying to sell a house or buy a house, excuse me, and there was a structure on the property that was close to a boundary line or an easement on the boundary line. And it made it a hassle to sell the to actually purchase the house. Now they were able to overcome it and he was able to get the house. But when God is talking about this here, where he says, remove not the ancient landmarks, which thy fathers have set," he's trying to tell us that, you know, when he said in the great, in the 10 commandments, don't steal, he really meant it. Do not steal. Stealing is bad. And do you know that when you move a landmark, let's just say this is a landmark and I was like, I was at the edge of the property and I wanted, maybe there was like really good dirt over here and I'm a farmer and I picked this thing up and went, I just stole from the guy next door to me. I just took his land. He may never know it. He may never see that, but I have literally appropriated something for myself that didn't belong to me. Now, the Bible tells us as Christians, right, in the New Testament, it makes a statement, it says, let him who stole steal no more, but work that he have something to give. That's in one of Paul's epistles. So stealing, God's not a big fan of stealers, right? And I know sometimes I've heard people say this to me, oh, pastor, uh, you know, why is it always do not do this. Do not do that. Well, do you realize that for every like direction in the word of God, where it says, don't do something, which by the way, I've, I stand by my statement I'm about to make here that God doesn't tell us not to do something because he's trying to ruin our fun. He tells us not to do something because it, when you sin, it wounds you as well as the other person in the act. Some sins you sin against yourself, but some sins are against other people. And God's not into you inflicting pain on yourself needlessly or on other people. Amen? That's, he's good. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. But go ahead and go to the next slide, would you please, Heather? So the next slide says something this. Okay, there's some takeaways from this. You think, man, I came to church. He's got one proverb. It's about stealing. Well, stay with me. We're going somewhere. Just a moment. We're going to go on a journey, which I thought was apropos. And so I'm at Journey Church, right? Anyway, takeaways on this, the plain meaning. And I looked at multiple commentaries. This is amazing. I mean, they all agree, which is oftentimes amazing when guys write commentaries. The main plain meaning of Proverbs 28, 20 is do not steal. Don't steal. Okay? And if you need me to remind you of that, I'll say it again. Don't steal. But you know, there's another, for every quote-unquote Don't do this. There's an affirmative statement that goes along with it. And that is very simply this. Do steward. Do steward. We are are called to be stewards of the manifold wisdom of God. We're called to be stewards of the faith. We're to contend for the faith once delivered to the church. That's what is in the very first part of the epistle written by Jude, one of the half-brothers of Jesus. The other one, James, who later became known as James the Just and was appointed as the Bishop of Jerusalem. Right? If you read about how he met his fate, while it can be a bit discouraging because you see a saint of God going on to his reward. You can also say, wow, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Men and women who sacrifice all to perpetuate us 2,000 years later, meeting together on the Lord's day to celebrate a risen Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And, you know, in the midst of stressful times, which have we not had stressful times? (laughs) I had talking to somebody not recently, and they said, it feels like 2020 is still here. But I like what Paul Harvey once said, in times like these, it's good to remember, there have always been times like these. Which is not to just be flip or glib and say, oh great, it's going to be tough, it's always tough. Whatever. No, it just says that, you know, there's good times, there's bad times. But the thing that I have loved so much about being a member of the body of Christ is, I am not to be driven by current events. The times, I'm not to be pollyanna or goofy about them, but I, I'm able to be above them, right? You know, I was thinking about this the other day when it comes to Egypt and the plagues on Egypt. You could probably rightly say that God was judging Egypt, right? I mean... He gave him chances, let my people go. He said, "Okay. Whoops, changed my mind. Here comes a plague." That's a judgment. But did you know that when it was dark in Egypt, it was light in Goshen? Dark in Egypt, light in Goshen. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hey. Do you know that that we should be different, right? Dark in Goshen or d- dark in Egypt, light in Goshen. Praise the Lord. So, um, steward stuff. In the army, we have something called general orders. They teach people that in basic training. The first general order. I will guard everything within the limits of my post and quit my post only when properly relieved. In the book of Acts, one of the uh, apostles says these words. He says, and David, this is speaking of King David, and David having served the will, purpose, and counsel of God in his generation slept. And I thought to myself, that's very interesting. That encourages me. I have a generational task. While I'm breathing, I'm in the fight. When I stop breathing, I join a different team, you know, the great cloud of witnesses in heaven, and then I'm watching, encouraging, believing that what I sowed into my kids, my grandkids will keep going, right? But honestly, when I take my hand off my life chess piece and I step into eternity, then it's on the other people, right? (laughs) And so when I first, I remember when I first read these verses in my Bible, Proverbs 22, 28, and then 23, 10, just the next day, I thought, wow, that is interesting. Usually when God repeats something in his word, it's like, hey, I'm trying to tell you something, right? So if it's okay, I'd like us to go on just a very short journey that was actually my journey and Nola was with me on this journey that starts in January of 2020. So Heather, can you go to the next slide, please? So, um, whoopsie-daisy, that went sideways. In transition, But this is Massachusetts, January of 2020. January the 3rd, 2020, we turned our church over. We had the privilege of planting. Um, and we were there for 10 years at it. Harvest Church, I love that church. And this was flipped that way. But just imagine the Minuteman statue. Anybody ever been to Lexington, Massachusetts here? Anybody? Few people. I mean, th- this is part of our ancient landmarks, right? I mean, the shot heard around the world. Lexington Concord, and I'm not going to go through the entire history of this, but I want you to know, so there's a little bit, we, we had gone to visit our son, who our youngest son, who had le- left active duty uh, to attend uh, graduate school in Connecticut, and uh, we visited him and saw the grandkids, and we had some great times there, and he lived in uh, North New Haven, Connecticut, and like many places in New England, they have a town square. They have like the town green. I think it's. I mean, it's. If I'm saying that wrong, I apologize. It's on me. But in North New Haven, the town green has church, 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 and these are magnificent, beautiful brick churches. Beautiful churches, and the grass is kept green on the on the green. And in the corner of this green, there's a little sign that says. On this site in 1710, 10 ministers came together and brought their books and started Yale University. I mean, that's just that's, that's part of our national heritage, right? But this is part of our national heritage as well. And let me just say this, the green is maybe, I'm just going to take a guess, four times as big as the sanctuary. It's not super huge, right? You couldn't do a real great parade there because it's small, you know? Ole and I were driving there. We stayed like in a Holiday Inn Express, like four miles away. And I'm thinking, we'll get there super easy. And we're driving through like residential neighborhoods. You know, <laughs> we're just doing what the little Google Maps tells us to do. And all of a sudden I say, I think we're getting close. And then boom, that's there in front of us. And you, you do know, I mean, like this is where that piece of dirt, that ancient landmark is where it all started right? That's where the shots, the first shots came. Now this scene here, it's hard to see. I, I you can, it's very hard to see because the letters are small, but this shows the pastors of the Lexington church. And I am pointing at a man named Jonas Clark, who was the pastor of the church in Lexington from 1755 to 1805. That is 50 years. That is not hard math. You guys should be pretty encouraged right now. You have a pastor whose dad pastored the same church for more than 40 years, I think, which is pretty epic, right? So you certainly don't have a short-time guy as your pastor, Pastor Derek. I told you I loved him, right? I mean it. I'm not just saying that. What we often lose sight of is that the guys who stood on that green that day And some of them lost their life. Almost all came from this man's church. Studies have been done that the sermons of men like Pastor Jonas Clark were crucial to the founding of our nation. What? I thought there was a separation between church and state. Well, that's what they're teaching, but it's it's simply not true simply not true. Because this book from Genesis to Revelation speaks of liberty and freedom. But the way to get liberty and freedom is not the way the world says to get it. It's the way that God says to get it. Amen? There's no true liberty. There's no true freedom without Jesus. I have a relative who has since gone on to eternity, who spent a significant portion of his adult life, sadly, in jail. But part of that time in jail, he was in a special unit that was Christians. And you know that for the first time in his life, though he was incarcerated, he was freer than he ever had been in his entire life. Why? Because the walls that enclosed him and that he should have been enclosed by, but by virtue of being found guilty in a criminal case. And I say that with no malice. I'm just saying this. It's just the way it was. He should have been in jail, but he found Jesus in jail. And so even though he went into a room with bars in it to sleep every night, he was free. And you can be free as a lark out of jail and in prison but Jesus can set you free. I think there's a verse in there that says something like this, whom the Son sets free. Amen, thank you brother. So just, I just wanna say in this journey, I got to this place, and it, it affected me emotionally. There's no pictures of us at the, at, at the overlook at Concord looking down at the bridge where a, a pitch battle was fought. But I have been to war three times. I'm not talking about watching it on TV. I'm talking about being at it. And let me tell you something. When I was at these places, I closed my eyes and I could just smell smoke. Because in those days, there was no smokeless powder. When those guys shot, in fact, when they pulled the trigger on the musket, there was like a three-second delay before the rifle fired. 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, boom. And then smoke. And people scream and yell when they get hurt. It's not doesn't make them bad people. I broke my leg on my 64th parachute jump. And while I was laying in a snowbank at about 20 below zero in Germany, crying like a child, I thought, I really am glad I'm not behind the iron curtain right now. It affected me. And that's another thing about ancient landmarks. They ought to affect us, right? They ought to affect us. This book is considered by many people to be an ancient landmark that has had its day. But let me tell you something. The flowers bloom and fade and the grass dries up, but the word of the Lord abides forever. That's not me. That's what the Bible says about itself. Next slide. So that was January. February, my wife and I went to Pearl Harbor. And I'm sorry for the scowl on my face. I must have been squinting because of the, it looks like it's cloudy, but it's still Hawaii, okay? And you can see over my shoulder there, the Arizona. We went to Pearl Harbor. We, we started our tour at the Missouri, the Battleship Missouri, which fought in World War II. It fought in Korea. It fought in, off the coast of Vietnam. And it was off the coast of... Uh, Kuwait and stuff in Desert Storm. It was in service a long time. And we were on the battleship Missouri, and there's a part of the battleship where there's like a dent in the side of the deck where a Japanese plane, kamikaze plane, hit the deck. And also the Missouri is famous because the surrender of the Japanese was signed on the deck of that. And Jonathan Wainwright, who spent the largest, almost the entirety of World War II as a POW of the Japanese, Jonathan Skinny Wainwright, who I think was barely above 100 pounds when he was a tall man, but that's because of his time in the prison camps with the Japanese, was there on the deck at the direction of General MacArthur to be there. There's a day coming when we're going to see the enemy of our souls, the devil. And the Bible says we'll go, that guy? But until that time, he's, he's still wreaking havoc. He still needs to be resisted, Right? Submit the, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James, the half brother of Jesus. This site up at the thing. So when we pulled into the area where the Pearl Harbor uh, memorial is, where the Arizona thing is, it's a it's it's an excellent park. We pulled in in a van. The flags in front of it were at half mast. Somebody in our van asked, "Why is it at half mast?" The driver said, "That's typical when a Arizona survivor." passes away. Somebody from the back of the vehicle said, I just saw that on the news the other day. One of the survivors, I think there's two or three left. If you are a survivor of the Arizona, you were given permission or authority to request that your remains be interred with your shipmates. And that picture in the upper corner are people who said, when I go, I want to be with them. You can't see it on the side there, but there's still oil coming out of that thing nearly 80 years later. It's a sacred site. We were in there. You can't see the, the memorial itself. It's astride the sunken ship. I mean, I, my first time going there, I was like almost six, I was 60 years old. And we watched a movie. We get into boats. We go to the site. And I mean, when you get out of the movie theater, I mean, Nola was squeezing my hand. I thought she was going to draw blood. I mean, it just it's, it's riveting, and you get out there, and everybody's very kind of quiet and respectful, and you go, you see the walls with the names on board, and do you know that there's a famous family, the Sullivan brothers, that died in World War II on the same ship, and they stopped putting brothers on the same, in the same unit because of that, and um, anyway, there was, there was fathers and sons who died on that thing. There was brothers who died on that thing. It was, it was very common in, the, in those days for people to be assigned together. So anyway, was, they had just lost somebody, and he had he, the last two or three uh, sailors remaining had decided they were going to be buried on land so their families could be near their grave. Very impactful. It's an ancient landmark. Next slide. This was us in December of 2020 at Plymouth Rock. We went and saw our son again who was in Connecticut, and we got to go see Plymouth Rock. That's one of our grandkids peeking out into the picture there. The very attractive... Darkish haired lady is my wife of 38 years, Nola. That is the Plymouth Rock. It's not that spectacular. It's like four chairs squeezed together. It's not very big, but it, it I mean, if you're a kid in America, you learn about that in school, right? It's, it's a big deal. It's where they came ashore. Now there's a, there is actually a reason why I wanted to go to Plymouth and we literally, we were screaming to make it to the airport to fly out was a different monument in Plymouth that some of you may know about. Next slide, please. And this is some, oh, boogers, it went sideways on us. It didn't look like that when I said it. Anyway, this is called the Forefather's Monument and it's huge. I mean, it's like 150 foot tall and when you're driving down the main street, if you look just right, because the houses are very tall, they're like three or four story, you know, like old Victorian style houses there in Plymouth. And all of a sudden we saw it through the thing and it's, it's huge. And what you can't see because it's sideways, sorry, is it says national monument to the forefathers erected by a grateful people in remembrance of their labors, sacrifices and sufferings for the cause of civil and religious liberty. Now, I told you that I was affected at Lexington in Concord. I was, I told you I was affected at Pearl Harbor. I was, I came to this place, I almost couldn't stand erect. And it wasn't, listen, I, I, I'm not taking back my love for America, but I'm thankful that I have another passport in another country, a distant land that I am pointed my face to. That is our heavenly home, amen? But while I'm here, I'm to contend for the country where I'm at, right? Jeremiah talking to the, exiled people of God in Babylon said, listen, build homes, plant vineyards, take wives, you know, pray for the peace of where you're at. For in their peace, I will give you peace. That's a paraphrase. It's not a direct quote. But you understand what I'm saying? So if this is our place of exile until we get to be with Jesus all, you know, 24-7 in eternity, there's no time, right? Then we're going to work while we're here, right? So It was, and here's the thing about it, that thing, it took years to build. When we got there, uh, they don't even take care of it anymore. It's a state monument. It's kind of odd, right? And you go around the corner, and it's like the secret sauce of America. Kirk Cameron, growing pains, I guess, was his thing, but he's definitely a Christian apologist now. He's got a a DVD called Monumental. You could Google that. I own it. I watch it. It's excellent. So, so what? Next slide, please. This is a comment that was a, a vignette that happened right after the signing of our constitution. I'll read it. Outside Independence Hall, when the Constitutional Convention of 1787 ended, Mrs. Powell of Philadelphia asked Benjamin Franklin, Well, doctor, what have we got? A republic or a monarchy? With no hesitation whatsoever, Franklin responded, A republic, if you can keep it. A republic, you can keep it. Okay? So that's, America was never designed to be a fire and forget weapon. It it requires involvement. And I'm just going to leave it at that. But see, this is church, and I came to encourage your hearts. This is history, but it's an example of an ancient landmark. But we have other ancient landmarks, amen? Next slide, please. The so what that I really want to spend the rest of the message on very briefly is just this this religious liberty thing. Man, I've been in places like Russia doing ministry where you have to go through customs to get in there and, you know... (laughs) I got a background in the army, and I often wonder, man. I wonder if he's like reading my entire, entire life file when I'm standing right because they they pick people. And it's like, okay, who's the scowliest, mirthless, humorless person, and you're going to be a customs person. I think they do that in American customs too. You know, you come back you're like, I have nothing to declare, I'm okay, but why do I feel nervous? You know, <laughs> customs. Okay, next slide. Ancient Christian landmarks. Okay. If you've seen The Chosen, the upper picture is from the scene between Jesus and Nicodemus, which relates us to John chapter 3, right? And that very, this is where Jesus, of course, says to uh, Nicodemus the, those lines that, when I was a young man in the 60s, I can remember asking my dad, what is this John 3.16 thing in the end zone? That was when people started putting up like billboards and stuff of that, right? And you know that scripture, you ought to, you know, for God so loved the world, right? That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Right? And I could quote this next one too, but I'm going to read it from the New King James Version because that's a powerful verse. It is one of those ones that should be part of that, you know, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. But verse 17 is also good. It says this: for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Wow. That, that was the whole thing that colored Jesus' mission. He wasn't looking at people, you're horrible, you're a sinner. I mean, people, I don't know about you, but when I was a sinner, it occupied my thoughts all the time. I'm horrible. <sighs> I'm horrible. I need help, right? Right. And if it doesn't bother you when you're a sinner, it means that you've kind of crossed a line and you should be praying to get back to where you at least have a little tenderness of heart, right? (laughs) Bible calls it a seared conscience. We don't want that. But that's an ancient Christian landmark. Jesus's first presentation of his word was to a doctor of the law. And you know he kind of disappears from the narrative in John. Nicodemus does. And you think, oh man, bummer, because he was a, he was interested in Jesus, right? He he wanted he reached out to meet to Jesus and he met him at night. But it, did you know that in the same gospel, the Gospel of John, Nicodemus shows up at the end to bury Jesus with Joseph of Arimathea. He got it right in the end, right? And then this one, just just an just another painting of Jesus' passion, right? Man, what a Jesus. What a Jesus. There was a t-shirt I think in the 90s that shows like Jesus with a cross on his back doing a push-up and it says bench press this, right? And it's the sin of the world, which would seem to be an incredibly difficult weight to to lift. And I'm not either praising or demeaning that message, but really think about it. I mean, Jesus went to the bowels of hell to bring captivity captive out of it, right? I mean, he he was a fighter. He was a champion. But he did it in absolutely the unexpected way. (laughs) I mean, all the guys are like, where's the armies? Where's the fighters? Rome out. Jesus in. Yay. But that's not what he said. He says, "Eh, my kingdom's not in this world. And we've come to sometimes wish it was, don't we? Because then justice. That day's coming. But like in the movie Gladiator, it will probably not be this day. Ancient Christian landmarks. Next slide, please. This is the Lord's Prayer, okay? And I'm just going to read it. I mean, probably everybody knows it in here. But there's something I want to hone into today. Number one point that I want to leave you with for our ancient Christian landmarks is about to come. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. I'm going to give some props to my bride. She did her master's capstone project on an area that is central to Christianity forgiveness forgiveness. Forgiveness. I was in Djibouti, Africa in the fall of 2002. I was the senior officer, senior special operations officer of a small task force that had army special forces and air force special operations pilots. And I walked into the tent where I had two lieutenant colonels in charge of of their respective elements, an army one for the Green Berets and a Air Force One for the Air Force Special Operations guys. And I was just visiting with them. I was just walking around, checking on them. And in the middle of our conversation, the Air Force Colonel back with me, he saw his shoulders sagged and his head dropped. And I said, what's wrong? Earlier that year in March, there was a major battle in Afghanistan. At the very beginning of that battle, an Air Force gunship shot up what they thought was enemy forces, but it was actually our guys and a special forces warrant officer was killed in that. And the message was that the weapons system officer on that aircraft had just taken their life. Do you know that it's important to forgive other people and that sometimes other people is you? (laughs) I said to my church, I said, look, I am working hard so that you don't have to be ashamed of me ever. Ever. But I'm a human being and if I do something bad, please forgive me. I mean, I, I was pre-forgiving asking for prayer, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's like, and why I say it? Because I'd lived long enough to know that you can try your very best, you can work your very hardest to be the best you can be and still do something that's going to let somebody else down, right? And this, this forgiveness thing is not optional, how many of you remember as a kid going to elementary school and some kid comes up and he goes, hey, I got this really cool thing. It's called Chinese handcuffs, You wanna try it? And you're like, okay. And you put your fingers in that thing, it's like, and like, ding, the school bell rings and kids are going to their chairs. And you're like, oh, oh, my fingers are stuck again. And you're, like, Keith, what are you doing? Oh, nothing teacher, nothing. You know, I can't write anything. My fingers are stopped in these handcuffs. But you know what you have to do? It's the weirdest thing. With forgiveness, it's kind of like those handcuffs instead of fighting your way out of them, you just sort of stop fighting and then you can kind of pull your finger out, right? Well, in this case here, the surrender part is saying, you know what? I am not perfect and neither are other people. And if God could forgive me for my utter treasonous actions against him, how much more can I forgive other people? How much, right? It's not optional. And I will tell you up front, sometimes forgiveness is not easy. Anybody want to give me an amen on that? I'm not, I didn't ask that because I needed the affirmation. I'm just saying it, it. I can't stand in front of you precious people and pretend that forgiveness is always easy. I just read a story in a ministry magazine not too long about a, a, a woman who for years was plagued by unforgiveness She and her husband had divorced. Her husband came to pick up their kids. Driving away, not too distantly, he got into a car accident and one of the kids was killed. Can you imagine what she was thinking? Why did I let him take the kids? She She was beating herself up. She was beating up her husband. And it colored the next 10, 15, 20 years of her life. But she finally saw that it's not... Impossible to forgive. It's actually our requirement, our duty. But the good thing about it is this is, you know, there are so many things in the Bible where God says, do this, and then He says, Okay, I'm gonna ask you to do something. It's gonna be hard. Okay? I'm telling you up front, it's gonna be hard, right? Still gonna do it? Okay, fine. Well, here's the deal. Give me your hands. There's the grace to do it. Thank you. It is hard. Dying on the cross was hard. <laughs> Being around us was probably hard, you know? That's another part of the chosen I love is, oh, guys, you know, there's a scene they're walking, and he says, We're going this way. And they go, But, 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 but. And he's like, Guys, if every decision I make is going to be argued about, this is going to be a really long trip. <laughs> words to take to heart. Next slide, please. I like this vignette. James, the brother of John the Beloved, was the first apostle to die. Stephen the first martyr, the deacon of the church. But could you imagine the guy who, quote, ratted you out to the courts and got you a death sentence is so overcome by your demeanor as you go to your death that they will join in, walk next to you and say, I'm sorry, would you, could you, could you forgive me? Right? And James looks at him and says, peace be to thee, brother. Brother. (laughs) That would take some faith, right? I mean, but James probably had blaring in the back of his mind. When his brother John finally found him, right? Because John was, the Gospels say John, the brother of James, was the only disciple at the foot of the cross when Jesus died. Remember, Jesus looks down. He says, mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And he basically said to the apostle John, you got my mom for the rest of your life. I'm out of here. Take charge. And the Bible says that he did. So can you imagine when John gets back to James and says, man, you cannot believe this. What did he say? These weren't distant friends. These were his apostles. And he said, he says, you're not going to believe this. Probably with tears running down his face. He said, James, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Next slide. There it is again, friends. And this was my message today, right? Landmarks matter they affect our perspective on our culture and on our heritage. I thank God for our culture in America. It is worth contending for. It's worth preserving. Just because something old, something is old, doesn't mean it's to be thrown away, right? Some things old should be, but not everything, right? But when it comes to the word of God, there is nothing to toss here. (laughs) Keep it all, Keep it all. Grab it. You know, this is the football. Grab it. Hold on to it. When the devil tries to strip it from your hands, keep it. Give him the heisman. Okay? Keep this. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Praise God. Is are there gonna are you guys coming back up? Okay, so you guys can come right up. I'm just about done. Next slide, please. This is a real storm cloud over Texas. Come on up, worship team. I'll step to the side so you guys can get ready. You guys have been great today by the way. I hope you've got something from this message. I came to encourage you. Let's let's guard the ancient landmarks. Let's steward our heritage. Let's steward our heritage. Christian heritage number 1. If you're trying to divide your time between which ones to preserve more to more to the Christian heritage, but also hey, we got to live here and and we're supposed to be good citizens, right? Of both kingdoms. That's a mean looking cloud. If if any of you have lived in the Midwest, I have. I've seen the sky go purple. Tornadoes, they're horrible, whatever. Thank God we live here. Earthquakes, I'll take more tornadoes anytime. Anyway, um, and you can feel at times like that storm cloud is just, it's too much. I can't do it. I'm here to tell you. You can't. Not because I said so, but because the Bible says so. And the way you do it oftentimes is to do what the world thinks is weird or odd or wrong because it's what the Bible says. The world's always going to be fighting God. Last slide, and we're going to say this thing together and then I'm turning it over to you, Dave. This is from the last, nearly the last words of the book of Deuteronomy, just before Moses steps off planet, right? And Joshua takes charge and moves into the promised land. Be str- Let's, can we just say this all together? This will be our closing prayer and then we'll turn over to Dave. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And I would just say this, if, if you remember the end of the gospels, especially Matthew's gospel, he pretty much, Jesus pretty much reaffirmed the same thing, right?